Welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 5, Episode 7. I'm going to start off by telling you this. I am sitting here recording this episode right now in a pair of jeans that I have not even attempted to wear for the past probably four years. Didn't even, I don't even know how they ended up here in Italy, except for maybe I think they were going to be something that Alessandro was going to wear. And I used to wear these. When I first moved to New York, these were the pants, these were the jeans that I wore. This was the size that I wore. I was kind of like a 32, 33 waist, something like that. For my height, I'm a little over six feet, and I'm kind of just a bigger build. I don't have a slight frame. I've got kind of just a bigger build. I was a very large baby. I was 10 pounds when I was born, just a little under five kilos. That just tells you I was a very large baby. I've always been kind of large. So I'm sitting down in them, which is the most uncomfortable position to be in when you're wearing clothes that are too tight. And I'm quite comfortable in these jeans. And I have to tell you, what's really crazy about this is I have not dieted. I have not done anything terribly restrictive. I have not done what I've done in the United States in the past to try to like, oh, I've got to lose weight. So I've got to like get in shape or I've got to whatever. Now, off and on for the last 10 years of my life, I had a pretty stressful job doing events, working with design clients, and sometimes I would literally just go for an entire day without eating anything, and then I would be so hungry and so stressed, I would just woof down food. And so there were times where I would gain weight, and there was times that I would lose weight, and I just kind of fluctuated. But prior to the past 10 years, I was very, very fit all the time. When I was in New York, the difference in lifestyle of moving from California to New York was very, very different for me. For like seven months of the year, you're spending the majority of your time indoors because it's so cold outside. You are running to your car and then you're running into a building, running back to your car and running back into your house. And so it's it's more than more than half the year. And I wasn't used to that. Winters in California are like two months long at the most. And those two months, you can be outside all the time. You know, the coldest time of the year is such a short window of time, and it's not really that cold. And I didn't realize how nice that is and how that affects your lifestyle. And I didn't realize any of that. Then I moved to New York, and I met a whole different type of people in New York. They are like hunker downers. They are the kind of people that don't go outside and they have to stay inside to stay warm. It's kind of a survival thing. Well, that changes the way that your body works. That changes the way you sleep. That changes how much vitamin D you get. It changes everything. And then we move from New York here to Italy. Now, it's not quite as cold here in Northern Italy as it is in New York, but at times it's not that different. It can just be bitterly cold here too. And so I kind of moved from a cold winter climate to another cold winter climate. When Alessandro came into my life, we did not necessarily adopt the Italian lifestyle, the Italian diet. He definitely introduced me to dishes and meals, and he's a great cook, and so he would cook. 
and I was introduced to Italian food, but he adapted more to the United States way of eating than I adapted to the Italian way of eating in the United States. So it wasn't the healthiest. We, we ate at restaurants a lot and we would cook at home, but we were cooking with American ingredients and we were cooking American sized portions probably. And it just wasn't the healthiest. My, those years in New York were wonderful years, but for my health, they weren't always the best. And I very, very, very slowly gained weight in New York. And then the pandemic hit. We were spending a lot of time indoors that first year of the pandemic. And then at the end of that first year of the pandemic, we moved to Italy. We were spending a lot more time indoors as well because we're in a cold climate. And you would think, and at least I thought, and I remember when I first recorded some of the, the very first episodes of this podcast, I mentioned to you that I was curious how moving to Italy was going to affect my health, my weight, just in general. The most exercise I'm getting is from walking. The gyms were still closed here in Italy. So if I wanted to get any exercise, I had to walk. That's when I started doing these walks up to the castle. But here was the problem. I had some habits from the United States. I brought those habits with us, but we had, you know, Alessandro had picked up some of those habits as well. Now he has a fast metabolism. He's an Italian. He used to smoke. Thank goodness he doesn't smoke anymore. That also helped him to not gain weight. And he's just kind of a smaller framed person. He's a little bit shorter than me. He's a little smaller. And so he can get away with eating things. He got away with eating things in the United States that I didn't get away with eating. So anyway, he just is not prone to gaining weight. One of the habits that I brought with me, and this is embarrassing to even tell you, but maybe you'll relate to this because Maybe you were raised the same way that I was. In California, on my parents' ranch that I grew up on, we raised a lot of our own food from a garden. We had a huge vegetable garden. And then as the family grew and as times changed, there was not a vegetable garden. The vegetable garden got, got sort of plowed over and turned into my parents' yard. And my parents' yard got a lot larger. So they have a really big, beautiful yard now, and it incorporated this huge area that was much a vegetable garden, but they still would plant, you know, corn and there's tons of fruit trees on the on the ranch. And so there's there's a whole bunch of homegrown stuff on the ranch. But one of the things that we did growing up that was a bad habit that I got started when I was very young is the habit of mayonnaise, specifically best foods mayonnaise. Now, if you are, I guess, anywhere east of the Rocky Mountains in the United States, that brand is called Hellman's Mayonnaise. But in California and all the Western states, that mayonnaise is called Best Foods Mayonnaise. The labels look exactly the same. The ingredients are the exact same, but it's just called two different things in two different parts of the country. Don't ask me why. So I grew up with Best Foods Mayonnaise, Hellman's, whatever you want to call it. I don't even want to know how much of it I've consumed in my lifetime. Man, I can make a killer sandwich. But one thing I would always put on a sandwich is a real healthy dose of mayonnaise. But it didn't just stop at sandwiches. I got to a point where, well, we would dip any green vegetables practically into mayonnaise. We would dip 
asparagus into mayonnaise. We would dip broccoli into mayonnaise. We would eat a lot of artichokes. We would dip the artichokes in the mayonnaise, of course. So mayonnaise was like everywhere. And then, of course, if you eat potato salad, mayonnaise. If you eat this family recipe, this pasta salad with crab and shrimp and all this other wonderful stuff in it, that had mayonnaise in it. Mayonnaise was like an ingredient in a lot of things. And we consumed a lot of it. We consumed more of it than I think is healthy. Now, I used to think back before I knew anything about anything, oh, it's just a couple ingredients. It's just eggs and oil. Aren't those like healthy fats and proteins and things? I didn't have any idea how much, how unhealthy it was. And now that I know more about seed oils and, and all this stuff, I know it's terrible, really. It's, it's okay in moderation, but I wasn't consuming it in moderation. When I got a little bit older, the mayonnaise habit combined with some other habits just weren't great. And I got into a stage of my career where my stress levels went through the roof. And anybody who's lived in any kind of a stressful environment or had stressful work, you know that it's your body starts to do this thing where it starts to hold on to weight when you get stressed. And I went through 10 very, very stressful years. And my body changed. I had gotten so used to always being fit and always being in shape, I didn't understand that you have to change, as your body changes, you have to change your habits as well because you don't just have a 20-year-old's metabolism anymore. Anyway, we moved to Italy and I bring the mayonnaise habit with me. And you might say, how in the world are you getting your hands on mayonnaise here in Italy? And I'll tell you, one grocery store in our town, one grocery store, we found little tiny jars of best foods or Hellman's, I don't even remember which, which it said now, Hellman's mayonnaise. They had it here. Now, the jars that we buy in the store are like quart-sized jars in the United States. The jars here in Italy are like very small little jars. Well, Alessandro was so excited to find this mayonnaise here in Italy, and he brought it home one day from the grocery store. He was like, well, look what I found. You're not going to believe what I found. And I was like, oh, my gosh. One part of me was, like, really excited. One part of me was really upset because I was like, oh, I thought maybe I was going to stop using mayonnaise. Well, I didn't. And so when I moved to Italy, I expected something magic to happen. I still had this sort of American idea that like quick fixes are the way to go and like things can easily be fixed and you can just move to Italy and magically all your problems will be solved in the same way that Americans sort of think, oh, I'll just go on keto or I'll go paleo or I'll go whole 30 or I'll go whatever diet happens to be trendy at the time, I'll do that and bam, I'll go into ketosis and all my problems will be solved. Or, you know, I'll do the Atkins diet and all my fat will just melt off in months and all my problems will be solved. Or now, what everybody's doing, I'll just take Ozempic and, you know, I'll lose weight. I've got friends in the United States right now that are on Ozempic and they're losing weight. Some of them have lost 25 pounds already. 
And it's like, you know, this miracle cure. Because we in the United States have this very, very strange, twisted, sad, messed up, unbalanced view of food and health and everything. And it's not our faults. It's the fault of the culture. It's the fault of the big food companies. It's the fault of advertising of a sedentary lifestyle because we don't walk anywhere, we don't move, we drive everywhere. We we just have a lifestyle in the United States in the United States that none of us individually designed. We just live in it and I think anybody living there would be unhealthy. But when you're living in it, you don't know how to get away from it. You don't know how to make changes because it's literally like swimming upstream. There is a fast food restaurant on every single corner. And sometimes you come to a four-way stop and there's literally a fast food restaurant on every single corner of that intersection. Sometimes multiple fast food restaurants and you're just surrounded by convenience of fast food. You're surrounded by packaged food. You're stressed. You're overworked. You're trying to get through life. You grab what's convenient. You grab, and what's convenient is what's prepackaged that you can bring with you in the car, eat in the car, eat on the go, eat in front of the TV. It, it's just, it's so bad. But while you're there and you're in it, you don't realize... You know it's bad, but you don't know what to do about it. And you just keep thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll some one of these days I'll get my act together and I'll fix this. Well, you, you, you fix it for a while and then the culture wears you down because, you know, everybody around you hasn't changed their behaviors and their eating habits. And you just, it's just, I hate to say it, but it's just a mess. And so that was me. I arrived in Italy in a very unbalanced, messed up person from the, the food culture in the United States. Just messed up. Now, I grew up on a farm, okay? I grew up knowing what good food tastes like, real food tastes like. Now, I want you to imagine somebody who didn't grow up out in the country, who has never had the experience of picking a fresh tomato or cherries or the most wonderful oranges off of a tree and looking forward to this every year or, you know, drying your own apricots and peaches or the incredible flavor of a green bean or an ear of corn right out of your garden. There's nothing like that kind of fresh food. Home-raised grass-fed beef, for example, that's actually healthy, that hasn't been, you know, packed full of all these weird things, growth hormones and antibiotics and things that just make the cows keep them alive, but, but they're internally sick. And then you eat that and it makes you sick. Not to mention all the GMO stuff and all the, the wheat and everything that's been sprayed with Roundup and all these horrible things that are making us so sick. I, I, what I'm saying is I know what good food is because I had it. I was raised on it, but I also know what bad food is because I fell into the habit of bad food. Now, this is coming also from someone who loves to cook. 
I'm a pretty decent cook. I know how to make really good food. I know how to make really good unhealthy food, and I know how to make really good healthy food. So fortunately, I can do both. Okay, so I'm trying to get you to the point of how I'm wearing these size 33 waist pants again without doing much to make it happen or without really feeling like it was effort. So these habits of food that I had in the United States, the mayonnaise, but also the sugar and and just the unbalanced approach to food and not knowing about portion sizes and just so many different things. You're not gonna just move to Italy, keep your old habits and somehow expect that Italy is gonna do some sort of magic on you. No, you're only gonna experience the benefits of what Italy is if you start to actually live the way an Italian and operate the way an Italian does. Now, just to be really clear, are not all Italians are in perfect shape, are perfectly healthy, and are skinny. And that's just not the case. A lot of Italians smoke, but I think that if I had to choose between a smoker Italian and an you know, a 400-pound American, I, I think maybe I would put my money on the Italian being the healthier one, even though they smoke, but they're skinny. You know, they say that sitting is the new smoking, and Americans are just notoriously sedentary. And it's not just Americans. I know I'm picking on Americans because that's easy for me because that's the country I came from. But I know that this is true all around the world. There's a lot of countries around the world that are Western countries that are the same as the United States. In Italy, you know, there are people that are getting to be more unhealthy because they are adopting un-Italian habits. But I'm going to tell you something. If you really want to know what it's like in Italy compared to the United States, this city where I live, Conagliano, every day at around 1 o'clock, 1.30, the high school lets out and the entire downtown is just flooded full of kids that probably are between the ages of like 15 to 19. So it's just like teenagers, like older teenagers walking through downtown. It is literally like someone opened the doors of a talent scouting agency and and these good-looking fit young people are walking around you downtown after you're here a while you don't even really notice it anymore but when you first come here from the United States where you're used to seeing young people very very overweight like morbidly obese teenagers and 20-something year olds okay so if you're coming from the United States, you notice this. After you're here in Italy for a little while, you don't really notice it. But then you go back to the United States, you notice it again. So the young people here, they're much more active. They walk, they hang out, they always a group of them up at the castle. Well, they have to walk up to the castle to get there. And they're just all over the place. They're active and they eat together, they're social and you just know that something's different. And then just the population in general is just more fit. Now you can see some people, there's even some members of Alessandro's family that are not in great shape, but I see the way they eat, I see their habits, and they've got sweet, they've got like a sweet tooth, and they, they eat too much, they're short, 
but they you know they've got they don't have the frame to carry much weight but they're eating too much sugar and too much processed food so they're like doing the wrong things so i'm not trying to make it seem like italy is perfect but when you compare italy to the united states italy is a lot closer to perfect than the united states is the united states is so far from perfect healthy balanced eating you can't even hardly make a comparison there's this saying that I'm sure a lot of us have heard, which you, you can't out-exercise, you can't out-fitness a poor diet. And so I'm working out, I'm walking every day, and I'm thinking like, I should probably be starting to get back into shape. Well, I don't really start getting back into shape when I'm in Italy for those first two years. I just, I'm not getting back into shape. And then something happened. I came back to Italy alone. So in December, I came back to Italy by myself, as you know. Alessandro's still in the United States. I'm here by myself. And I said, okay, you have an opportunity. You're not going to be eating at restaurants. You're not going to be drinking wine with Alessandro. You're not going to be cooking together. He was the one who would usually go to the grocery store. So he was the one in control of what came into the house. So he would buy things that he either knew I liked or knew thing, or things that he liked that he could eat. But if I saw them and I ate them, they wouldn't be great for me, but he could get away with it. So I moved back to Italy in December, over four months now that I've been here by myself. And what did I change and what has changed? Well... I'm walking up to the castle twice a day. That's more than 10,000 steps a day. And those are steps, not just flat steps. Those are steps climbing, a pretty steep climb to the castle. So my heart is beating pretty fast. Now, I'm doing very little other kind of exercises. I do some yoga. I do some stretching. I do some Pilates here at home when I take breaks in between my writing. But for the most part... My exercise comes from walking up to the castle twice a day. So that's basically my exercise. I do a few other things, but that's it. I haven't rejoined the gym. Nothing. I am not eating mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is gone. I got out of the mayonnaise habit. I replaced mayonnaise with Greek yogurt. Whole fat Greek yogurt. And when I can't find that, it's just like a non-fat Greek yogurt. I don't really drink any alcohol. By the way, Italians drink very, as a whole, Italians drink very little. Now, there are some drunks. There are people who are alcoholics here in Italy, of course. But the general population does not drink very much alcohol. I used to think that Italians were like big drinkers like oh yeah you know wine and pizza and pasta you know we have this we have this idea that italians can magically you know eat non-stop pasta and gelato and pizza and wine and somehow magically they don't gain weight well i've figured out what they're doing and what they're doing is not the same thing that we're doing in the united states first of all they don't drink very much so i'm not drinking much I don't really bring sweets into the house. That's my Achilles heel. I have always had a sweet tooth. And so if there is chocolate in the house, it's not going to last very long. And don't even talk to me about Haribo gummy candies or gummy worms. I can't have those anywhere near me. I will just destroy a bag of those in seconds. 
and I I don't keep ice cream in the house. Like I just don't buy things at the grocery store. I do, however, allow myself to go to my local gelato place and buy a little gelato, one scoop or two scoops of gelato. And I always tell myself, if you're gonna get gelato, you've gotta get gelato either on your way to or coming back from your walk. So you gotta walk to get the gelato. And by the way, Italians don't restrict themselves from having sweets, they just don't overdo it. Italians love gelato. I see Italians getting gelato all the time and I see a lot of very, very skinny Italians eating gelato and they're not eating five scoop cone of gelato like we would do in the United States, some massive, huge portion. No, it's like a single little scoop of gelato on a cone or in a cup and they just slowly eat it with those tiny little spoons and they enjoy it. They don't feel like they're depriving themselves. They're they're sort of, you know, feeding their sweet tooth, but they're not they're not indulging in such huge, huge portions that you're having like, you know, a thousand or two thousand calories from one single dessert. It's just it's such a different approach. So what am I eating here? that is making a difference. Well, like I said, I'm not eating any mayonnaise. I'm not eating sweets for the most part. Sometimes I'll buy some dark chocolate and I'll enjoy it and I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty about the occasional gelato, but I'm cooking beans, a lot of beans. I'm cooking a lot of lentils. I'm cooking a lot of mixed beans and I'll saute some onions and some beef or some sausage and I'll, you know, cook some beans and then I'll add the beans and the sausage and everything together and make this kind of, this really kind of heavy, hearty bean soup with tomatoes added to it and cook it all together. And it's this really heavy, and then I'll freeze it and I'll just take out a, you know, a little frozen package of it. And then I will make these piadinas. Piadina is basically an Italian version of a tortilla. And I'll just, in a tortilla, I'll just take a nice healthy amount of Greek yogurt. And sometimes I'll, you know, pre-mix my Greek yogurt with different spices to make it kind of a spicier, yummier sauce. Salts and pepper and turmeric and paprika and whatever I want to add to my, you know, big container of Greek yogurt. And then I just use that. I sort of spread that on my piadina. I take a huge handful of, well, they call it here rucola, but arugula. I put a huge pile of arugula on top of that piadina with the Greek yogurt on it. And then on top of that, I'll just put several big, huge spoonfuls of this sort of bean and meat mixture. Sometimes I'll add a hard boiled egg to it. Sometimes I'll add a little bit of mozzarella cheese to it. I'll wrap it up, cut it in half, and it's kind of like a little wrap. And I basically eat a lot of those because they're easy to eat by myself. Sometimes I'll cook a chicken and I'll do some marinated feta cheese with chicken and some lettuce and I'll wrap that up and I'll put a boiled egg in with that and I'll wrap that up and that's my wrap. So I'm eating during the winter months. I ate a lot of soup. I would cook my own broth and I would make my own soups, you know, chicken soups and vegetable soups, bean soups, lentil soups. So I'm eating whole real foods. I don't eat a lot of bread and I don't eat a lot of pasta. 
But sometimes if I get in the mood for a pizza, I'll just go across the street is a wonderful pizza place. I'll walk over there and I'll get a margarita pizza or I'll get a pizza with, you know, sausage and olives or whatever I want on it, artichokes and prosciutto or whatever, and I'll just have a pizza and I don't feel bad about it. They're the tiniest, thinnest crust and I eat a whole pizza by myself and it's it's really not very much because it's so thin and it's delicious and I don't feel bad about that. If I'm If I'm craving pasta, I'll make myself a really wonderful carbonara pasta. It's really easy to make. I, I've figured out a really good recipe. I really do like my own cooking. And so I, that's kind of how I'm eating. I don't know if that's terribly Italian, but I'm eating a lot of fiber. I'm eating real food with hardly any ingredients. I eat actually quite a bit of quite a few eggs. I hard boiled eggs. I will hard boil eggs and keep them in the refrigerator. And then just when I want one or two with a meal, I'm eating fruit, but I don't eat an enormous amount of fruit. I eat a lot of greens. I go through a lot of arugula in a week. I go through bags of arugula in a week. And so that's what I'm eating. Whenever I hang out with friends here or Alessandro's family, I will have some wine or we'll have some dessert or when it's Italian, you know, special, when it's like an Italian holiday and they've got a special Italian dessert or something, I'll have some of that. I'll buy a Colombo cake and slowly eat it. You know, at Easter, I did that. I didn't feel guilty at all about it. I have not been on a diet. I've just found things that are delicious, that I like to eat, that are easy to cook, that don't take a lot of time, that I can eat by myself and enjoy eating, but it's amazing how slow I haven't even really noticed that I've been losing weight. When I started to not fit my jeans anymore, and I started to have to search for other jeans, and I found some in a bag that I hadn't even looked at for years. I don't know if this is interesting to you or not. I feel like Americans were just so obsessed with diets and food and eating, we're so out of balance. We're so we're so confused. One minute we're excluding a whole food group because we just were told that it'll give you cancer or it'll make you gain weight or it's the worst thing in the world for you. And then a new study will come out and it completely contradicts that. And what we don't realize is how much money gets put into these studies and how much the big food companies or special interest groups are trying to tell you that, you know, like these things are the best things in the world. And then and you find out that they're like one of the worst things in the world for you. And it's just, it's so frustrating. It's so upsetting. It's so demoralizing. And you just feel confused all the time. And you're just at the mercy of whatever the, the latest report is that what's healthy and what you're supposed to eat. When in reality, people in Italy and France and Greece and in these Mediterranean countries for the last thousands of years have been eating very similar to the way they're eating now. And they are healthy. Look at the people in Japan, the same thing. They're eating healthy food, very similar to the way that they have been eating for the last hundreds or thousands of years. And they're healthy and they live a long time and they don't have health problems. They don't have heart disease and cancer the way some of the other Western nations do. 
The United States is one of the worst. And if it wasn't for our medical system and our drug companies that keep us artificially healthy, trick our body into doing things, you know, like forcing us to take insulin and all these things that we have to do just to keep ourselves alive that keeps us dependent on these drug companies when really we could just eat healthier, be more active, and our problems would go away. And so I'm not trying to say, oh, look at me, I've, I'm the picture of health, and I'm so proud of myself. No, I'm trying to tell you that if you're frustrated about your lifestyle, and you're considering moving to Italy, and you're thinking that your life might get better when it comes to food when you move to Italy, it will, but, but, <laughs> it will, but, you must the but is that you must not bring those American habits with you. So I can officially say that I have no more American eating habits here. I have not had fast food since I was in the United States. I have a little problem with Taco Bell when I'm in the United States. I love Taco Bell. It's a guilty pleasure. And I'm not saying I'm never going to have Taco Bell again. I will have Taco Bell when I am in the United States. I feel like allowing myself to occasionally have Taco Bell once a month or whatever when I'm in the United States is almost an Italian thing to do because Italians are not excluding really anything. How do Italians start their mornings? They start their morning with a brioche or a cornetto. It's a pastry. And it has either fruit in it or has chocolate or cream in it, but it's a pastry. Now, we are told to be terrified of pastries and bread. And we're, we're made to think that bread and potatoes and pasta and, and anything sweet is like the worst thing ever. But somehow we also end up, you know, eating so much of it. It's this weird thing where the things that we're the most terrified of... We also tend to consume a lot of. It's this weird, weird, twisted thing that we that we find ourselves in in the United States. And the Italians allow themselves to have things, but they just do it in such moderation. Not every single Italian starts their day off with a pastry, with a cornetto. But there are some Italians that do start every single morning off with one of those, and you would be shocked to see how fit they look, how lean they are. So they have one, I don't know, espresso or cappuccino in the morning with their cornetto, and that's their morning, and they don't eat anything again until lunchtime. And they eat kind of a leisurely, healthy lunch, but they eat a lot of vegetables. They eat a lot of fish. They eat a ton of vegetables. They eat fried vegetables. They eat, you know, boiled and sautéed and all different varieties of vegetables. They eat meat, but they don't eat enormous amounts of meat. They eat carbohydrates. They eat bread. They eat pasta. In Vera's segment, in the next segment, Vera is going to also be talking about this topic as well because I wanted this whole episode to be dedicated to this. Just wait till you hear what Vera has to say. She has some incredible insights into this that are even more interesting than mine, probably, because she's coming from the perspective of an Italian. So you're going to get, in this whole episode, you're going to get me talking as an American about moving to Italy and what that was like and when I finally had a breakthrough, when I finally 
divorced myself from some of those really, really unhealthy American eating habits and sort of and started embracing more the Italian way of life, you don't see Italians stressing out about food. You don't see them all, you know, wound up wanting to know what the latest, healthiest diet is. They're they're not doing that. They're just going about their lives, enjoying their food, but they're doing it in moderation and they don't feel like they're starving themselves and they don't, I can guarantee you, they don't feel like they've deprived themselves of anything because deprivation is not something that Italians really, that's not something that they enjoy. They enjoy aperitivo with a glass of Prosecco or a spritz or a glass of white wine or whatever it is. Like, They enjoy their food, and I mean, they really enjoy it. They enjoy it slowly. They don't enjoy it in front of the television. They don't enjoy it in the car. They actually enjoy their food way more than I enjoyed my food in the United States as a regular, average American. I was not enjoying my food. I was scarfing it down fast and in the car. Here's a story I want to tell you about Alessandro coming to New York for the very first time. He was coming for a visit for the very first time, and we had been talking back and forth for months before he came, and he finally was like, okay, I'm coming for a visit. It was sometime in March, and we had been talking at least since December of the previous year, and you know, we had reconnected because it had been years since we'd been talking, and and he finally was like, okay, I'm coming. And so I'm like, all right, I'll pick you up at the airport. He flew into the airport, the Newark airport. And I went to pick him up in my car. And I was like, you know what? He's going to be on that flight. And he's going to be, you know, probably hungry because, you know, nobody wants to eat on an airplane. And he's going to be on this long flight. And I'm going to make something really great for him so that he'll have something to eat when I pick him up in the car. So I made my Aunt Gail's seafood pasta salad. And I should have known better because, like, what are you going to do? Feed pasta salad to an Italian? (laughs) But I was really fortunate that Alessandro was hungry and that he happens to like this recipe. And it's a really delicious recipe, I have to admit. So I made him a giant bowl of pasta salad. I put it behind the seat. It had been, I kept in the refrigerator. It was nice and chilled. And so I picked him up. I'm like, how are you doing? And you know, I'm like, how was your trip and everything? And I'm like, hey, I brought, I brought you something. So I reached behind the seat and I pulled out this, I bought this set of bowls that are like these, I don't know, they're, they're turquoise, I guess, mixing bowls or nesting bowls. And they're older. They're probably from like the 1930s or 40s or 50s. I don't know. They're, they're, they were antique bowls that I bought, but they're beautiful like earthenware bowls. And the smallest one I had filled up with pasta salad. And so I, I had it all wrapped in saran wrap and with a fork and a, and a napkin. And so I like pulled it out. I'm like, here, I made you something. <laughs> he looked at me like, I was the craziest person in the world. He he was like so surprised. He didn't know what to do. He was like, "What? Why are you giving me like potluck style bowls of food in the car?" 
I was like, no, I brought it for you because I thought you'd be hungry. Yeah, it was a sweet thing for me to do. I mean, it was a nice gesture. I'm not trying to say it wasn't it wasn't nice for me to do, but it, he, he was just so shocked. He didn't know what to do, but he was so hungry too. He was like, okay, all right, well, um, okay, I'll taste it. And so he took a bite and he's like, oh, it's really good. And so he, he ate some and he ate probably about three or four bites of it. And he was, he was really enjoying it, but he's like, all right, I'm gonna eat the rest at home. And I was thinking to myself, man, I could tell he's hungry. Why isn't he just eating it? But he he just wasn't comfortable eating it in the car. And and he got more comfortable. Unfortunately, he got more comfortable eating food in the car because we would, you know, go on road trips and we would stop at fast food and he would eat in the car because he was like, I guess this is what we do here in the United States. But anyway, I just remembered that story and and that was the very first time I think he maybe had ever eaten in a car in his entire life. And it was the first time he was seeing me after like 15 years. It was crazy. And so anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say about my experience here in Italy is I have established a set of habits that are habits that I am going to maintain even when Alessandro and I are reunited because I don't I don't prefer to be living alone without him, but I'm also going to be the one who goes grocery shopping in the future because I'm not going to allow things to come into the house that are not good, healthy things. Because if they don't make it into your house, then it's very unlikely that you're going to go out and buy them. But even if you do, it just makes it inconvenient. If things are in the house, they get eaten. If they're not in the house, you have to go out and you have the inconvenience of having to go out and get them. And it it's, puts up roadblocks for you. The activeness, the the habit of being active and going for these walks, I love this. It's something that I'm going to continue. And all of this kind of plant-based, lots of fiber, healthy eating, but not restricting myself, not eating too fast, all these really, really simple, simple things that we've all heard about. And in, in some way, we all kind of already know this. That's what I've been doing here, and that's why I have lost weight without really trying. And if you move to Italy and you adopt these same rules, the same thing's going to happen to you. There's no really secret to this. It's not a secret. It's just common sense way of eating without all of this weird, crazy mind game thing that you that we get as Americans where we just we don't know anymore how to eat healthy. We don't know where our food comes from. We don't know what's in our food and we're afraid to even ask what's in it because we just know it's not good for us, but it tastes good, so we just continue and then we have health problems and we have allergies and we have all these things that develop because we just we just are building our cells you know our body is built on cells and if the cells aren't being fed good things then they have problems they break down they have cancers so i guess what i'm saying is i've relearned how to eat healthy now i'm living in an apartment up here in northern italy where the air quality is not great i've talked to you about that and i'm not yet growing my own food in my own garden. So 
without having my own eggs, without having my own garden, and even maybe my own meat that I raise, without any of those things, I'm much, much healthier here. So just I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like when I've got my own garden, when I can can my own food, when I can raise most of what I eat. I can't even imagine how much that's going to affect my my health. And then just the activity, the active energy that it takes to do that. You know, you, you're burning more calories. You're, you're expending more energy by weeding and collecting eggs and cleaning pens and, you know, all the things you have to do to keep animals and gardens and chickens and those kind of things alive. That takes work. And so I just have to say that I don't miss mayonnaise. I don't miss Best Foods or Hellman's mayonnaise. I don't miss anything from the United States. I don't even miss Taco Bell. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to have Taco Bell or when I go to visit my family in California and I'm not going to have good Mexican food or have a wonderful In-N-Out burger. All that that stuff is okay, but I'm going to do it when I'm there visiting and as a treat. It's not going to be part of my daily life. So anyway, I just wanted to give you a health update. I wanted to share that with you. And I wanted to let you know to have realistic expectations when you move to Italy. If you're healthy when you come here, you're already a thousand steps ahead. If you're unhealthy when you come here, you could probably find those unhealthy ingredients here too. And if you continue to have those unhealthy things in your life, there's also fast food popping up here. You know, there, there are McDonald's here. There are an occasional Burger King here. You can find fast food restaurants now in Italy. Unfortunately, they're, they're coming here. So if you're still a fast food lover, you can still go find fast food here. So if you don't make any changes, nothing will change. So I just wanted to report some good news and tell you how good it feels, how much healthier I feel with sort of really living and eating like an Italian does. I just can't wait to hear you tell me that you experience the same thing. If you're not moving to Italy, yeah, it might not be quite as easy, but that doesn't mean that you can't get outside and exercise, that you can't go to a local farmer's market and buy good food, that you can't be that first line of defense and make sure that nothing bad comes into your house. You know, you you can do that. You can order your groceries online. You can eat more beans. I'm telling you, beans are like this magic thing. I just love them. They are like little powerhouses. I soak my beans for almost 24 hours. They sprout, and then you're almost eating more plant than seed or bean, because once a plant germinates, it starts to change into a plant rather than just a seed or a grain. So I think beans are amazing. I just want you to be healthy and happy too. And I know how hard it is when you're not and how frustrated you feel and how defeated you feel. So anyway, whether you're moving here now, whether you're moving here in the next five or 10 years, or whether you're never going to move here, you're just going to come and visit, you can be healthy too, but you have to make sure that you make some changes. Anyway, I hope that you found this interesting. All right, well, that brings us to our next segment. And of course, as I said, this is our segment with Vera. 
and Vera is going to be talking on the same topic, but she's going to be talking on this topic from the perspective of an Italian who grew up with this kind of food and who understands this world here in Italy from the inside out. She's got a great segment. So here is our wonderful Italian co-host, Vera Sarzano, with La Vera Italia. Ciao, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao, che bello rivederti. Come va? Molto bene, grazie. E tu come stai, Vera? Benissimo, benissimo. Sono proprio contenta. Molto bene. Okay, Vera, before we get into your really interesting topic for today's segment, do you have an Italian question for me? I do. And if you remember last week, I didn't ask you anything because, yeah, poverino, you were suffering your allergy or cold, whatever that was going on with you. And the whole segment was about Italian language. So I was like, okay, let's just leave him alone. But today, hmm, come tieni il segno quando leggi un libro? Usi un vero segno libro, usi un pezzo di carta, uno scontrino, oppure fai l'orecchio alla pagina? Oh my gosh, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> What are you trying to do to me? I know, but we skipped one week, so we have to, you know, make up for it. Why are you acting like I live in Italy and I need to learn rapid-fire Italian? <laughs> right? I don't know. <laughs> okay, you know what's crazy is I think I actually have it, but I want you to give it to me once more slowly, please. Come tieni il segno quando leggi un libro? Usi un vero segnalibro? Usi un pezzo di carta, uno scontrino, oppure fai l'orecchio alla pagina? All right. Here's what I think the question is, and then I'm going to tell you what I think all the options are that you gave me to answer the question, because that was cool. You, you kind of asked me the question first, and then you gave me a bunch of options to answer it, didn't you? I did. Okay, I like that. All right, you asked me, when I'm reading a book, how do I mark my place while I'm reading? Bravissimo. Wow, that's that's amazing. I, it's shocking to me that I actually understood exactly what you were asking me. Okay, now, I'm going to see how, I don't think I'm going to do quite as well with the options you gave me, but I'm going to see. All right, you asked me, the last one that you asked me, the last option was you use the word orecchio, so you use the word ear. Do you turn down the ear of the page? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we say to make the ear to the page. Right. Okay. So do you, okay, do you mark it by turning a page down, right? We call it dog earing a mm -hmm. page, right? Okay. You do, you, and one of the other questions, one of the other options was, do you use a bookmark? you use a piece of paper? And what was the other one? It was like, what was the word? Scontrino. 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 What is a scontrino? You should know because in Italy, you have to take your scontrino every time you buy something and you have to keep it. That is oh, your receipt. Yeah, your receipt. Oh, got it. Okay, that's a good question. Is that something that people use here? They use receipts as bookmarkers or you just made that up? No, I just made it up. Okay, nice. All right. Wow, that was actually a great question and a really 
Good question. I mean, a great Italian question, but also just a good question in general. Okay, would you like to just one more time, just for everybody listening, just repeat it once again, kind of at just whatever speed you feel comfortable doing? Well, now I'll do a medium speed. Okay. Come tieni il segno quando leggi un libro? Usi un vero segnalibro, usi un pezzo di carta, uno scontrino, oppure fai l'orecchia alla pagina? Mm-hmm. And mind you, because one of these answers is totally wrong, and I won't, I won't speak to you anymore, right? Um, right, I know that I'm not supposed to turn down the page. Good. I'm not supposed to make an ear out of the page. Don't do that. No, I don't do that, actually. I find I was raised that that's sacrilegious to do to a book. Yeah. Okay, good. I think you and I were raised similarly. <laughs> Let me see if I can answer this question now in Italian and English. Okay, well, the the simple answer is sometimes I'll use a random piece of paper, but I really do like bookmarks and bookmarkers. And so if I... If I have a bookmarker, I'll use that. For example, the current book I'm reading right now, let me hold this up. I am currently reading My Italian Guest Book by Annette Joseph, who is the author of Italy as My Boyfriend. I just read her first book and now I'm reading her second book. I love it. Look at what's in this as my bookmarker. Can you see? Is that a train ticket? Yes, it's actually two train tickets. <laughs> it's the perfect bookmark it really is that's such a good question and it's so interesting that i had this sitting right next to me here by the way this is a great book and annette annette joseph is like my new favorite author this is the tren italia tickets from conagliano to padova and padova back to conagliano love it you haven't answered in italian yet i know but i'm stalling I know. Stop falling. <laughs> All right. So let's see. How am I going to structure this sentence? Per tenere il segno, uso un vero segnalibro. Sì, segnalibro. O un altro pezzo di carte. Per esempio, un biglietto del treno. Treno. Il treno, bravissimo. Okay. Oh, finalmente. Che fatica, che fatica. Lo so. <laughs> okay, that was great, Vera. Thank you so much. Uh, and um, thank you. That was a great question. And I'm really, really excited about today's topic. I just talked in the previous segment about a the topic that we're going to be sort of continuing with you about health and food and and how Italians sort of approach food and all of this and and I think it's going to be a great and, and a really interesting contrast between the sort of the the way an American is approaching living and eating and and sort of healthy diet in Italy but also it's going to be really interesting to hear from an Italian's perspective growing up in Italy. And that's what you're going to be bringing today. You always bring something wonderful from the perspective of a real Italian. Now, before we get into that, I want to ask you, 
something. I'm going to just kind of pump the brakes a little bit on our general topic today. And something happened yesterday that I just have been dying to ask you. And I was going to just send you a text or call you and ask you about it personally. Then I was like, wait a minute, this would be even more interesting to talk about on the podcast. So before we get into your great segment, Mm -hmm. I want to tell you a little something that happened yesterday. And I want to get your I want to get your take on it because I was shocked by this. I was shocked by this. Shocked. Mm, Now I'm curious. Tell me. Shocked. Okay. Yesterday was a great day. You know how you've been giving me some, you've been encouraging me because you and I have become friends, right? Mm -hmm. And we talk. We don't just talk weekly on the podcast. We text back and forth. We play our Wordle game every day and, and we text back and forth. And so we're like officially friends now. And friends who have never met in person, by the way, but we're going to be solving that situation soon. Anyway, so you've been encouraging me because I'm always in front of my computer and I'm always just focused on work and Alessandro's not here. So I almost don't give myself permission to go out and do anything fun. And so I, I was like, you know what? Yesterday was a really beautiful day here. And it was so sunny and spring. And, and my friend Mindy, who just lives just about 20 minutes away, in the next region, Friuli Venezia Giulia, she, you know, works for the United States Air Force, and she's she's just this great American friend. She's almost the exact same age as us, and she's so great. In fact, when you come here, we're all going to probably hang out together. But anyway, what I'm the point I'm trying to get to is that yesterday she was like, "Let's go do something fun," and we ended up going tulip picking. Actually, we went and picked tulips, tulipini or whatever they're called. Tulipani, tulipani. Tulipani, okay. We went and dug tulips out of the ground. And then we came back and potted them in a pot. And then we went wine tasting at a place. I've always wanted to go wine tasting here. And I've never done because Italians don't really do that. Like it's kind of something that like tourists do. So Alessandra's always like, we're not going wine tasting. And, and so anyway, her and I went to this wine place, which by the way, when you come here, I'm going to take you there. And then we went, you know, we went wine tasting. We went to the Tulipani. We came back here and we we dropped our stuff here at my apartment. And we walked up to the castle. And that's when this happened. This thing I want to talk to you about. So I'm like thinking to myself all day, I should have texted you and told you, I'm taking your advice today and look at all these fun things I'm doing, but I knew I was going to talk to you about it. So I took your advice I'm doing all these fun things. It's so great. I took the entire day off. I didn't hardly do anything in front of the computer yesterday. And so for an aperitivo, after we'd done all these other fun things, we decided let's walk up to the castle. There's a great little restaurant up there and we'll just have a little... It's like a sunny day, so we're going to be able to see the mountains that have snow on them, and it'll be like the perfect place. We'll have our Prosecco and like a little aperitivo up there, and we'll do something else while we're having our aperitivo that her and I love to do together. We walk up to the castle. We bring this special thing with us that we're going to do while we're while we're doing, you know, while we're having our aperitivo, we order our aperitivo, we order a carafe of Prosecco and some little bites. And then we pull out our cards because we're going to start playing cards. You know, it's something that Americans love to do is play cards. And just one table behind us, 
there were these German girls, three German girls, and they were playing some German card game that had like a big K on it. I have no idea what the game was, but they were playing cards. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we brought our cards because I taught Mindy how to play Canasta. So we're going to just play Canasta while we have our aperitivo. And so we started doing it and we're dealing and we're holding the cards and we're laughing and talking and we're sipping our Prosecco. And then all of a sudden, the waiter comes to our table and says, excuse me, um, I'm sorry, you probably don't know this. I'm, I'm not sure, where are you from? Are you from another country in Europe or are you from, do you speak English? And he was like, um, I'm sorry, you probably don't realize this, but we are not allowed to let you play cards here in public. And I'm like, sort of like almost at the same time, <laughs> Mindy and I both sort of look over our shoulder and like them, those German girls, they're still playing cards. And we're like, you're not we're, we're not allowed to play cards. Now we've, we've already once done this. We'd already once gone to a place and played cards in the corner of this little cute little Osteria, and we were there until like one o'clock in the morning playing cards and everything was fine. So we'd already done this before in her town. Well, then we start trying to do it here. And he tells us we can't play cards in public because they don't have, he didn't even give us the reason why. And so very sheepishly and sort of feeling like real idiots because in this huge group of Italians sitting outside with this beautiful, you know, it's still, it's spring here, but it's still cold enough from the wind that they have to enclose it. So it's this sort of pla clear plastic enclosed outdoor seating area that's nice and warm because the sun comes in, but the wind is kept out. And everybody's sort of like staring at us like, yeah, you dirty little creepy little Americans, you should know no, better. No, they were not. Trust me, they were just, not. Okay, anything. you're probably right, Veda, but we felt like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just when I start to think like I am fitting in and everything's great and everything's, I, something like that will happen. And I'm like, I've seen people playing men and groups, especially the groups of old men playing scopa, you know, playing cards out in public. And I'm like, what in the world? No one has ever, Alessandro, nobody has ever mentioned to me that you cannot play cards in public. Now, after we're sitting there Googling, is it legal? Is it illegal to play cards in public? We're coming up with all these answers on Google about it. Finally, the waiter goes over to the German girls and he tries to communicate to them in English. He, they don't really speak very great English, but he's trying to communicate. Yeah, we not we don't have a license. I hear him say, we don't have a license that allows you to play cards here. I'm sorry, I have to ask you to stop playing cards because you're not really allowed to do that in this space. And then they stopped playing cards. They felt just as it's stupid as we did. So then I held up our little box of cards and I was like, yeah, we got told the same thing and they're like oh you too and I was like anyway so I want you to just tell me am I crazy or are you really not allowed to play cards in public in Italy <laughs> okay you're not crazy but you're not allowed to play cards in Italy not cards okay you're not allowed to gamble and who plays cards without gambling right that's kind of not the point <laughs> Be serious for a moment. I don't know exactly how the law goes, but you're not allowed to gamble. That you can only do that in a casino, right? You are allowed to play cards, but you have to 
be sure you're not playing for money, not even one euro, not even, okay, who wins buys coffee for everyone, okay, because that's still gambling. Now, playing cards is very traditional. We've always done that in bars and cafes, and you've seen especially old men playing. So probably uh, you were in a very busy, very touristy place. Maybe they had the police coming just for a check and they told them something. I don't know. You found someone who was really paying attention to the rules. But I would say that people play cards in bars, but probably different times of the day. Uh, it's, it's especially old men playing cards in Italy. I mean, not at home, but in a cafe. We don't do that with our friends. We go there and talk with our friends we, or you know, family. We might play cards when we are at home just to you know, have a different night, but not in public. I don't know why. Public, you eat, you drink, and you talk. We don't even bring books with us when we are in public. So it's just something different. And maybe this uh, waiter so that you were foreigners and he didn't know what kind of game you were playing and just to make things easier he said like just top so it's better because maybe you didn't know and you were playing with money but actually the law is it's forbidden to gamble so he's assuming that because we're playing by the way what do you call these kind of cards in italian carte francesi that's what i thought okay that's what i thought so Regular playing cards, like a deck of 52 playing cards with a king and a queen and an ace and all the all those different ones. Basically, those are the kind of cards that are typically used for playing poker and for gambling. And so maybe that's why they, you know, if we were playing Uno, no, it doesn't matter. If we were playing with Uno cards or Skippo cards or some other random cards or even Scopa. Yeah, it's forbidden to play cards for money. It doesn't matter if it's Uno or Scopa or Scala 40 or whatever. But let's say that 99% of cafes let you play. So how is it? So you're saying that the reason maybe that somebody got nervous is because they're afraid someone's going to report them. Oh, yeah, they're starting a gambling club up at the castle restaurant. And like everybody gets to go up there and start. So they're, they're seeing two different tables playing cards. Of course, it's two different tables of foreigners. And so they're just saying, oh, yeah, we can't have this happen. We're going to just shut it all down because we don't want to lose our license. We don't want to get a fine. We don't want to get in trouble with the police. Yeah, because if you go to the beach okay, or to the park and play cards there, it's not a problem. You can do that. You can even bet some money with your friend. Okay, It's in a public space, but you were in a restaurant. So the problem is for the owner. Okay. Private establishments. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why you see the old men playing outside in a city square at a table, that they're not playing inside a cafe. Well, even at the tables outside, they're still in the cafe because that is public space that, that the cafe pays uh, to use that. So it's part of the cafe anyway. But it's just very weird. It never happened to me. I never heard of it. Everyone plays cards, even in cafes. But maybe, you know, they didn't, they don't, maybe they don't want to have people there playing cards and they use the law as an excuse. I mean, the law exists, but it's very old probably, or simply, you know, it's just old oh, man. What if we are betting five euro? It's not a casino. I'm not losing my house or anything like that for a, a, a Scopa game, but still it's true. 
it is technically forbidden to play cards in restaurants and cafes. Okay, well, thank you for clearing that up. I could not believe that that happened. And I understand that it's not an Italian thing and we probably were sticking out like a sore thumb because we're doing this and Italians would never do it, but okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up for me. You're very welcome. Let's get into your topic for today. I'm so excited to hear what you have to share with us. Well, it's actually your topic, right? Because you've been talking about food and everything else. So I'm here today with my idea and my thought, actually, uh, on this topic. And that is food in Italy. Now, to speak about food in Italy is like to speak about Italy. It's the same thing because for us, food is everything. And when you think about Italy, you think about Italian food, right? They're so strictly linked and connected. And that's probably the key to everything. Food is culture and it's part of our lives and cooking is part of our lives. So not only food, but cooking and cooking with fresh local products. That is what this is all about, right? We talk about food all the time and we really care about food. And I would say that meals are the most important or even the nicest part of the day for Italians. And, and it's a time we, we, we fully enjoy. And that's why uh, all the shops and offices close for lunch, right? Because Italians need their time to have their lunch. And it's like, we have food awareness, if there's such a thing. We, we know what we are talking about, right? And when we see foreigners doing weird things, you know, food combinations, ordering things that they're not supposed to, uh, or when we go abroad and see what's on the menu sometimes, we are like, yeah, we usually say, sono proprio barbari. Oh, oh, no, proprio barbari. Do you understand this word? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, so they are barbarians, right? And those were the people who invaded Italy back at the Roman Empire time. So basically, we're saying those people are like Neanderthal. They are behind in culture. That's, that's what we think. Now, I'm just kidding. It's not very polite. And I know you're not. I'm talking to all people not Italian. But I wanted to tell you this barbary thing because there's nothing traditionally speaking worse than a barbarian for Italian because those are the ones who invaded Italy and the Roman Empire finally declined. So it's the worst thing you could possibly be. Not if you're a thief, not if you're a bad person, but if your food is terrible. So see what the big crime is? That's how much we care about our food. Now, obviously, I'm just joking. It's not that your food is not great. It's just not our food. And I don't mean to brag, but if Italian restaurants spread all over the world and it's one of the most loved cuisines in the world, probably we know what we're doing when we talk about food. So that's, that's kind of fun. But like, you see what I mean here? Barbarians, people who don't know, have no clue about uh, good food, are barbarians. It's like not caring about personal hygiene or basic things, you see? So that's how important it is for us. 
That's the whole point, right? So no wonder our food is good. But we put a lot of effort on it. Now, what's the main difference? Well, first of all, and I don't know what comes first or later, or if we, if we do that because of this, or it's this because of that. Anyway, the cause effect relationship here is not clear to me. But first things first, <clears throat> we do not eat while we're driving. We do not eat while we're walking. Mm -hmm. Not even a gelato, we stop, okay? We have our cone, but we stop somewhere. Possibly sitting, but even standing, but we stop. We don't eat while working and we don't eat while watching TV. Now, we might watch TV while we are eating, but that's different, okay? I'll try and explain here because I know. We don't say, okay, it's movie night. Let's go sit on the couch with cookies, popcorns, and whatever, and watch the movie. No. If we're watching the movie, we're watching the movie. If we want something to eat, we'll do that during the break. Well, there's no break now with Netflix and everything else, but there was back then. We might sit at a table, especially not everyday meals with your family, uh, sit at a table and have dinner and meanwhile the TV is on and maybe there's the news going on so you see what's going on or your favorite quiz game during dinner time. So you see what I mean? The main point is you're sitting at your table and you're having dinner while the TV is on. But if you're watching TV, it's movie night, you do not eat on the couch during the movie. Maybe you do during the break. So that's like the first thing. And why is that so important? Well, I think it is very important because if I'm watching a movie and I'm really watching a movie, I'm, I like it and I'm enjoying it, my brain is right on the movie and I have something like big bowl of popcorn, I'll keep eating and eating and eating. And I don't even realize that at one point it's just empty. We don't do that. We always know what we're thinking, what we're eating. Maybe we finish the whole popcorn bowl anyway, but we know we are doing it. So it's mindful eating. See what I mean? And then obviously, <clears throat> when you know what you're eating and you're watching what you're eating and what you're doing, you eat less and more slowly because you're not doing something else. So probably you're talking with your family. While you're driving, maybe you eat faster because you need to put your hands again on the steering wheel or you, I don't know, you just eat faster because it's like, oh, I'm on the go. You're doing so many things together. And let's say that an average dinner at home, for example, my husband and I, just the two of us at home, normal, you know, Tuesday evening, it's 35, 45 minutes. So not that long, but still probably to other standards, pretty long. While a big dinner with friends, uh, like on a Saturday night, you had friends over for dinner. We sit at a table around 8.30 for dinner and we finish around midnight. Maybe we play cards at the end, but still, you're still at the table. See what I mean? Another thing that eating knowing what you're doing and more slowly and just with kind of this consciousness about what you're eating helps your digestion too. Your brain has one task 
eating and digesting the food. While if you're working, yes, you're putting down something, but you're not eating. So probably that is not good for your body. That's what I think. I mean, I am not a dietitian. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor here. So I'm just saying what I think, because it happened to me sometimes. Maybe I had, you know, uh, I had scheduled a few appointments that were too close together. So I did had uh, a sandwich while driving. And that it was terrible for me. I really, I couldn't. It's just, uh, it didn't sit well for the whole day just because I was driving. And I mean, it was just a sandwich because I'm not used to it. And I'm not used to not be focused on what I'm doing right here. Obviously, it's not just the act. So the action of eating is also taste. So we want our food to taste good, obviously, but that's for everyone, right? And what's good here? What's the point? Well, every culture has a different idea of good, obviously. And I'm not saying that our good is better than the other good, obviously. But for us, when we say good food, it's all about flavor, of course, texture and temperature. So these are the three key, right? The three keys to a great dish. And it's a combination of the three of them. I'm not saying there's a wrong way to eat food, but we think there is a wrong way to eat food. <laughs> I know that it's not the only right way. And I know that other ways are not wrong. I know that with my brain, but deep down in my gut, I feel, no, that's just wrong. <laughs> What other people are doing but not because i want to judge them it's i don't know how to explain this it's something we grew up with for generations and generations and i mean if you're comparing this to the united states we started doing this way before the united states even existed right <clears throat> or america was even discovered so let's let's see if i can explain this uh, let's talk about cappuccino of course or milk in general you all know that you're not supposed to have cappuccino after you know, 11 a.m. or things like that. And I already mentioned that it's not exactly true, but let me explain you. Milk in general, because cappuccino is a little bit of coffee with milk foam on top. Uh, it's, it's not something that I crave while I'm eating a sandwich, when I'm having a panino, because milk is sweet, naturally sweet, and kind of fat on your tongue. Now think you have like milk on your tongue and your palate, and you can actually feel the texture of it, right? Even if it's the foam on the cappuccino. So it's sweet and kind of slippery and warm. Even if you're drinking, and I know it's something you don't particularly like doing, but even if you're drinking uh, cold milk, it's still warm. It's a warm flavor. I know I'm getting kind of a technical here, but some fruit like strawberries are cold, have a cold texture, while milk has a warm texture. So it doesn't fit with a panino, okay? That just isn't right. I could never ever have a bite of panino with prosciutto and drink a little bit of milk together. It's just something that I 
couldn't do because it tastes so bad. It's just like asking you to mix two weird things. I don't know, macaroni and cheese and brownies together. Ugh, you wouldn't do that. A lot of Americans probably would do that. That's the problem. <laughs> just the same bite? No, come on. No, no, not the same bite. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Same meal is fine. Same bite is not fine. <laughs> okay, so here we are with me not being able to you know, bring myself to have milk and fish together. Terrible. So this is just the way we think it. And I don't know if we feel this way because someone started it before, or if we are just lucky, or if we had back in the past, you know, kind of sixth sense for those sort of things. But if you think about it, milk is rich, very rich in uh, protein and fat and sugar and the panino. That's all of these things, especially if the panino has, of course, bread and then some ham and some mozzarella cheese. You have everything you need in the panino already. So adding milk to it would be too much for you. I mean, too much. Not only calories, I'm talking about the different group. Uh, food groups here and protein and fats and lactose and things like that. So we are lucky because we would never have the two of those things together, like a slice of pizza and milk. Uh, and by the way, they don't go together. Dietitian would tell you that it's too much because milk is basically uh, a meal for itself if we're talking about calories and sugars and everything else. So maybe we are lucky, or maybe we developed this thing through the centuries. I don't know, because this is pretty recent dieting and being careful about calories and fats. And we never had milk with our lunch. But still, I don't know. The fact is that not pairing cappuccino or milk with a sandwich is the best nutritional choice. And at the same time, for us, is the only possible choice because they taste bad together. So we are lucky this way. Our meals are healthier because naturally we dislike things that, I don't know, maybe by chance, maybe because we knew it already, don't go together. So that's kind of a good thing. So try and learn from us and see what we do pair and what we do not pair. I would like to just take a quick moment to let you know that if you are loving what you hear from Vera every week, and by the way, I know you are because we we just learned so much from Vera. Vera has recently added to her website, hikelanguage.com, the ability to buy her a coffee or, of course, an espresso or a cappuccino. So to thank Vera for what she's doing. And she didn't even know I was going to mention this right now. I'm just jumping in here um, without any warning, letting you know that Vera has set up on her website, buy me a coffee. And so you can, to thank Vera for her wonderful contribution to the show, you can go and buy her a $2 espresso, $10. You can, whatever amount you want, she has different amounts on there. So is that correct, Vera? I know you're blushing right now. I this am. This is not something that you were expecting, but I love that you've added that that option to your website. So tell us just a little bit more really quick before we finish up here. 
Yeah, I had a lot of people sort of reaching out and saying, oh, you're doing a great job, but maybe they don't have time or, you know, they don't want to learn Italian. So they're like, how can we help you? And I was like, what we do here in Italy, just offer me un cafe. That's very typical. Buy me a coffee. So that's, I, I literally just did that yesterday. I'm not sure it's online yet, but it should be by tonight, I think. And let's see if people want to buy me a coffee or a cappuccino. But only that, no panino with it, because they don't go together, right? <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for letting me take just a quick moment to put that in that little plug in for you. Thank you. Thank you. And I know that we take it too far sometimes. Okay. We are too judgmental because we eat prosciutto and melone together. So ham and melon, like very salty ham with cantaloupe. And we have a very old proverb that says, al contadino non far sapere quanto è buono il cacio con le pere. And that is, don't let your workers, like in the fields, because we are talking about farmers back in the day and landlords, uh, how good cheese with pears is. We pear cheese or prosciutto, so savory food with fruit. But then we think that Pineapple on pizza is a crime, like a literal crime. I know, I know. <laughs> There's no reason, or maybe there is, you know, because if we really want to, yeah, go specific, pineapple is uh, cold and has a cold texture and it's acidic. It's fine in a salad, for example, even if it's savory, but not on pizza because pizza is warm and the tomato sauce, it's also acidic, but it's warm. So it just doesn't go well. We don't put melone, so cantaloupe, or any other fruit on our pizzas. So maybe there is a reason even there, but we also do weird things. But if we do them, it's fine. If you do them, you're barbary. So I know, I apologize, but... Yeah, very Italian. <laughs> I happen, I really happen to agree with the Italians on this one. I think that pineapple on pizza is just atrocious. And I still have yet to get on board with cantaloupe because I don't really like cantaloupe, really. I don't know why. I don't, I'm not really a big fan of it. It's one of the few things I don't really love, but I'm sure I'm going to eventually learn. But I, I think, but pears and cheese, oh, what could be better? Right. <laughs> now, there's another very, very important thing is that our food is fresh. We try to at least. It's local, mm-hmm. mostly. We have avocados and bananas, but let's say it's local and real. Okay. So the three key terms here are fresh, local, and real. Now, we do not cook every single day lunch and dinner you know we don't make our fresh pasta from scratch every day not at all but we do cook and using real food now i'm keep saying i'm keeping saying real food real food what's that well you tell me what that i can't believe it's not butter nonsense is what's in that can i can't believe it's not butter or the spray cheese easy cheesy spray cheddar cheese what's that what are all these weird things like 
margarine, for example. We use real butter to grease a cake pan before baking a cake. I mean, it's just normal. And it's not that tiny, tiny, the thinnest layer of butter on your cake pan that would make you fat if that's the problem, you know, when you're baking a cake that has half a kilo of butter in it, <laughs> real butter this time. But also anything in moderation is good. That's what we think. It's not a problem. And also what is moderation? Because we eat carbs every single day for every single meal. It's bread, it's pasta, whatever, carbs, carbs and carbs. Our diet is carbs. Now, you know, I spent some time uh, in the USA when I was younger, six months, and I think I gained 12 kilograms. <laughs> I came back home twice the size I was when I left. And, you know, at first, the first few months, you're there, everything is new, and you have all these amazing things that I love. And okay, probably I ate a little bit more than I used to at home. But then when I realized I couldn't fit in my fancy Italian clothes any longer, I was like, no, Vera, what are you doing here? And so, I mean, not dieting, but I started going back to my regular lunch and regular dinner. And yet I kept getting bigger and bigger and I couldn't figure out why until I read the labels. I thought I was having a panino with just some bread and the first ingredient in there was sugar. And then maybe there was a little bit of flour. <laughs> I used to have yogurts for breakfast and that was simply sugar with a little bit of milk. So our mm, food, our product, use real ingredients and are less processed. So real butter, real olive oil, real cheese, even when we, we fry a lot, we fry a lot at home. We have, uh, I don't know, a lot of things, even vegetables, zucchine fritte, but we fry in real olive oil or, an, you know, real um, sunflower seed oil. Uh, use just once, obviously, if you do that at home, it's kind of safe. And it's not that bad. And there are way less ingredients. Bread is flour, water, a pinch of salt, and yeast. And that's it. You might have a little bit of oil, then it depends if you want a whole grain or whatever, but that's it for ingredients. And I don't know if you ever realized that, but gorgonzola, mozzarella and parmigiano have the exact same ingredients and yet they are three totally different cheese kind of cheese right because of the way they're aged and made but it's just milk salt and rennet is that how you say that now look at the label of processed cheese the ones you buy in packages in supermarkets even here in italy we have a few of course you find things in there that shouldn't be eaten. I mean, what, what's that? So I think that is sort of what makes us healthier. And once again, it's not just because we are smarter or we are more you know, conscious about our diet or food. It's just something that comes natural to us. When I see a rainbow cake, for example, they're quite all the rage now on Instagram and social network, you have these cakes 
I mean the sponge, not the decoration, just the real cake inside. Blue and bright orange and bright pink. And I'm like, are you eating the cake or crayons? That's too much. Okay, that's way too much. In Italy, you will never find a sponge cake that has food coloring in it. You might have white cake, just eggs and flowers, or darker if you add some chocolate or nuts or whatever, orangey with some carrot, but not that much. Some frosting on top could be fine, a few drops, but not. And I couldn't bring myself to try it slice of that cake because it's too colorful it's literally not food i see that and i say my brain says that's not food do not eat it it's dangerous so maybe i'm going to say maybe this is why we are healthier actually italy is one of the five countries in the world with the longest life expectation and along with japan another uh, country where they have an amazing diet with a lot of fish and that is also very, very good. Now, we cheat, okay? It's not that we eat healthy food all the time. We also have packaged food. So we have cookies and pastries and chips, okay? Things that we buy at the supermarket that are junk food, okay? We do eat junk food. But if you try Italian junk food, it's different. It's less a little bit less junk still junk but a little bit less less processed and i can tell the quality just by you know i eat a cookie and i'm like oh this is not a good brand because i can taste the alcohol i mean the alcohol to preserve the cookie or the bread in there or i can taste i don't know i i call it a preservative taste uh, other industrial products still use preservatives of course because they need to keep products for a long time in stores but still it's not that bad so you can actually taste the difference and here's my last um point for today is that i often find that tourists and foreigners in general complain when they're here in italy because everything is so good but they cannot finish their meals so they order a pasta they order some meat and it's too much right it's just too much for them the portions are too big and i'm like are they really are they too big because you know i i'm now speaking to my american friends listening today i've seen your pancakes <clears throat> your pancakes are bigger than my face and you could swim in one of your soda cups so don't tell me that our portions are too big. But I see restaurants, especially here in Central and Southern Italy, where portions are a little bit bigger than in Northern Italy. But I, and I've seen myself, a lot of tourists saying, oh, I'm stopped. I'm so sorry, but I'm stopped. Can you take this back? And Okay. But I think the problem is not the size. The problem is what's in your plate. It's real food. It's not empty calories. Everything that is in your plate has calories, fats, and everything that food should have. It's not just sugar and preservatives. So it's maybe smaller than your portion in the United States, but it's richer, means good for you. And you're not used to it. So you're stuffed earlier. So that's what I think could be the 
the, the, the idea or the fact that you're not used to this kind of food. But since you love it, you should be able to finish it. Because if I have a big plate of pasta in front of me, I mean, even if I'm stuffed, I'm going to finish that. But yeah, probably it's because it's all real food. You know, like if you eat cotton candy, you could eat a bunch of that, but it's nothing. Yeah, sort of the same idea with uh, heavily processed food. So we uh, really care about our uh, food quality and that is also good for your health. The two things go together. And I keep saying health, health, health here, but Italians don't really care that much. It's just obvious. The only thing we say is maybe, oh yeah, just, you know, let's eat a little bit less salt or just have one less coffee today or things like that. We are not fanatic. There are other countries where people uh, uh, really try to measure everything they eat and calories. We do diet too, obviously. Uh, I would say that Italians, well, I think they are average, but I've heard people saying, oh, you're also skinny here. Well, I'm not, but we, we don't have many obese people. That's the point. And then it all depends. But most importantly, even if we have people that are overweight, it's kind of the yeah, not so terrible overweight. I mean, just a little bit uh, that is not so terrible for your health, but even the shape is different. I don't know. It's probably a different kind of fat, probably because of the different kind of food we eat. And we are generally speaking a little bit more healthy with less um, cardiac um, problems, uh, heart failures and so on. And that is due to our diet. That's what all doctors say. So I don't know how to explain this. We care about food, but we don't become obsessed by it. It's like, oh, you're not feeling well, your pressure is too high, then have a soup, have this. We still talk about food as medicine and we don't just cut out a whole uh, category of food or things like that. And even uh, if that has nothing or you know less to do with your health, I don't know many uh, vegetarian or vegan Italians. Okay? There are some, obviously, but not that many, actually, because probably, I don't know, we still see food as something that comes right here from our own garden and the whole family. And it's like, like it was in the past. When, I, when we think of meat, we don't think of the big factories, you know, where they make meat but we think of just a few cows outside. And obviously vegetarian people might say, I don't care, I don't wanna eat any kind of animal, even if it was you know, uh, living outside in a nice environment. But still, it's just something that Italians don't feel that much. There are way less vegetarian and vegans than in other nations, even here in Europe. So, I don't know, that's another interesting fact. And that's why it might be kind of difficult for you to find especially vegan dishes in a restaurant. You really have to ask for it and make sure that there is nothing, you know, like not just meat, but something in it that could, because we put eggs and cheese everywhere. So just make sure you ask them. And 
I've never seen a vegan restaurant, probably in Rome and Milan, like the big cities, but they're not that famous. There are, but just a few. So be aware of that if you are vegan or vegetarian, just ask and make sure and double check with the waiter. And obviously, even Italians are complaining because younger generations are not that healthy and don't have such an healthy relationship with food because they eat more processed food. They're getting a little bit uh, fatter than the previous generation, so a little bit overweight, and that is a health risk. But what most doctors are saying is that it's not because of processed food. That's one factor, but the problem is that uh, children now are at home. They're not free to roam the streets like they used to do until a few years ago, actually. I grew up you know, playing around town with my friends and climbing walls and trees. And I lived in a medium-sized town, not in a tiny village or simply in, in the yard with your friends. Now they're more at home. Uh, the world has changed, parenting has changed. So these kids are home all the time and don't move enough. So most doctors are actually saying that that's the problem more than the food because we're still Italian and your mama will bake a cake for you and you'll have all these good things. Uh, so you can, of course, eat sugar and, you know, French fries, patatine fritte or whatever, but homemade. So it's better. It's just absolutely incredible to hear you talk about food because it's so different from what I hear in the United States. It's just, as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same. It's so right. And we know in our heart of hearts, in our mind, instinctually, I think we all still have the instincts of what is right and what is true when it comes to food. But what seems a bit different in Italy compared to the United States is Italy has not allowed a lot of things that have happened in the United States. The food industry and the diet industry and the way food is even thought about has literally been hijacked because people are able to make money off of confusion, off of the Americans' tendency to want to get a quick fix to their food problems. And the food problems are a whole nother topic. The food problems are, like you mentioned, everything you mentioned, overprocessed food, non-real food, eating in weird times at weird places without conscious, like everything you said is just so right on. Your body will find its own equilibrium. Your body will sort of find its own healthy weight. Your body will like sort of just be healthy again, almost as if by magic, when you just allow yourself to do what is naturally done here with food. And I haven't been on a diet. Yes, you have. Mediterranean diet. Correct. I've been on the Mediterranean diet without even trying, without even realizing it. Like I mentioned in the previous segment, I used to really eat a lot of mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up with mayonnaise, dipping vegetables 
into mayonnaise. I mean, putting mayonnaise on everything. It's a horrible, horrible habit. And I found the exact same brand of mayonnaise here. And then I started eating it here too. And then I stopped. And now it's amazing what's happened. I know. You see, I remember, of course, I like mayonnaise too. And when I was little, especially with French fries sometimes, and my dad always told me, yeah, mayonnaise is good if you have it once in a while and a little bit, because it's all eggs. And that's a lot. Egg is like milk. It's a whole meal by itself. So if to convince your child, for example, to eat one carrot, you need to give them a whole tube of mayonnaise, then it's better if they don't eat the carrot. Right. Well, not even to mention, not even just, it's not even just the eggs that are in the mayonnaise, that it's the oil. Mm -hmm. It's the oil and it's not even good oil. It's like bad oil. And I didn't realize how bad that oil was. And it's just amazing how just swapping out whole Greek yogurt for mayonnaise in my life has been. Thank you, Vera. This was wonderful. Did you like what I said? I wasn't sure I could even make myself clear because food is something that it's so, it's like, can you explain how you breathe? Of course I cannot. I just do it. So if you have any questions, just ask. Well, that's what's so great. I love what you're saying. And first of all, yes, we actually got 100%. We understood completely what you were saying. But the fact that you struggle to articulate what it is about food, I think just that simple fact alone tells us you're not obsessing about your food choices. To have to take it from your instincts and your intuition and turn it into something you talk about for 30 or 40 minutes in this sort of a environment, like this podcast episode, it's a sign to me that you are eating with your internal wisdom, your internal wisdom that's been passed down to you for the generations of Italy. You don't need to like call it, oh, it's keto, it's pescatarian it's 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 vegan it's this it's that oh i'm not on i'm on the whole 50 i'm on the paleo diet all these crazy things that americans like oh are you on keto are you on paleo are you on whole 30 all these crazy things that we say to each other and that's how we then know exactly what that person is eating what they're excluding and here you are just trying to talk about simple food and it's taking you you're having to kind of work to try to really, really define what a healthy approach and what the Italian approach to eating is. I think it's amazing. I eat chips because I love potatoes in any kind. I should have cut on that, but still, I I know what I should do. Yeah, to be really healthy. I mean, I do it all the time, but yeah, it's just something we do, something we know. And just come to Italy and try yourself. I love it. Well, Thank you so much. Once again, Vera, if somebody wants to find your website online or they would like to have you be their Italian language coach, like you are my Italian language coach, or if they would like to just buy you an espresso, buy you a coffee, like we mentioned earlier, how can people find you? So my website is www.kikelanguage.com and kike is spelled C H I. Double C H E language, Kike language. We are. I'm also on Instagram with my friend and colleague Irene doing all sort of videos, and that's Kikegram. That's how you find us on Instagram. 
And yeah, you will also see uh, us in our daily life and see what we eat every day. Fantastic. Okay. So you can go to www.kikelanguage.com or you can go to my website, imovingtoitaly.com. There are links all over my website to Vera's website. You can go to the Learn Italian page. I've got all kinds of links so you can find Vera either way. And of course, Instagram, Kike Graham is fantastic. So thank you again so much, Vera, for being here today and for sharing this topic that is a topic that I know is resonating with our listeners. It certainly resonates with me. And I know that our listeners appreciate everything you had to share today. So thank you for being here and figuring out a way to break into years and millennia worth of tradition and sharing it with all of us. Thank you and see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Oh, Vera, thank you so much. What a wonderful segment. Don't you just feel so much smarter and so inspired by what she just shared with us about food here in Italy? It just makes so much sense. It's just so sensible. Thank you, Vera. I really appreciate that. Don't forget, if you need a really wonderful Italian language coach, Vera is my Italian language coach. She's the best. Check out Vera at kikelanguage.com. You can also check her out on my website, imovingtoitaly.com. All right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this week's episode. Before we get into surrounding sounds, though, I want to quickly thank our sponsors for today. First, I'd like to thank Babbel Language. Babbel Language is the language learning app that I use, and I've been using them for the past year. They are just simply superior to any other language app I've used. I'd like to share an email with you that I recently received from a listener. This is an email. Now, I get emails all the time from you. I get messages on Instagram all the time. I love hearing from you. This is one I got, and I get a lot of these, about a listener who started using Babbel language. This is from Sherry. And Sherry wrote to me this week, and she just shared such a wonderful testimony about Babbel language. I wanted to share that with you. So Sherry writes, Hi, Nathan. I'm quickly working my way through all of the back episodes of the podcast while listening to the new ones as they come out. I've been a subscriber to Duolingo for a few years, but just switched to Babbel through your site. And I have to say, for conversational purposes, as well as just learning the different tenses of things, it's superior, at least for me. So thanks for the idea. I'll be in Italy in September for a few weeks, scoping out a place. Sherry is from California. She's a realtor, and she found a wonderful property that she's in the process of buying. In the future, I'd like to actually have her on the podcast and have her talk about her experience buying property here in Italy. But I just wanted to quickly share that with you. She's preparing for a move to Italy in September, and she's buying property here, and she's using Babel language to prepare her for that. And it's it's making a big difference for her. So, of course, language coaching is wonderful, but if you can't do language one-on-one language coaching with Vera or with another Italian language coach, 
Babel language is like the next best thing, and it's really, really wonderful. So with Babel language, I recommend their lifetime language learning program, so you never have to pay for language ever again, and you get access to all of their languages, not just Italian, but French and German and Japanese and Chinese and Greek and everything else that they teach. So check out Babel Language on my site and you get 55% off, sometimes 60% off on special promotions with Babel Language when you do a lifetime membership. I am so grateful that they are sponsors of our show. Also, I would like to thank ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is a service that I use to keep myself from being tracked by big tech companies who would like to sell my data to advertisers. I'm protected when I use public Wi-Fi. I get to use all my streaming services while I'm traveling, and I also get to use ExpressVPN while I'm in the United States, watch content that would only be available to me if I was in Italy. Also, I get to use it to help me send text messages and make phone calls from my phone while I'm in Italy. So it's just a wonderful service. So you get three months for free when you check out ExpressVPN on our website, imovingtoitaly.com. So thank you to both of our wonderful sponsors today. All right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds. So here's my surrounding sound for today. I've got a little story that goes along with this. So this past week, so I was just talking to you about how I don't deprive myself of things when I'm feeling a craving for something sweet. I just go for a walk and I get a gelato. Now, I don't do that very often, but sometimes if I am just like, Oof, I just want something sweet, there's nothing in the house, okay, Nathan, go get some gelato. So I was like, all right, it's 9.30 at night, I'm going to go get gelato. Even though it's kind of raining a little bit, I'm going to bring my umbrella with me and I'm going to go walk to my favorite gelateria and I'm going to get a gelato. Before I left to go get gelato, I grabbed some coins out of my coin jar. I could see that I had over three euros, and so I dropped that in my pocket. I also pulled a five euro note out of my wallet, just in case I needed some extra money for something. I put my headphones in, I'm listening to my audiobook, and I'm walking with my umbrella to the gelato place. I get there, and they've closed early, because probably because of the rain. So I'm like, oh gosh, my favorite gelato place is closed. All right, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to go to the other gelato place close to the train station because I think that they're open a little bit later. So I walk over there and sure enough, they are open. I walk in. There's a couple other people in there. I let them go ahead of me. And then I'm looking at the gelatos. and I see this beautiful strawberry gelato. I think it was actually maybe strawberry sorbet and then this beautiful vanilla and so I was like, oh, strawberry, fresh strawberries and fresh vanilla gelato together. Like, there's nothing better than that combination. I'm just going to have strawberry and vanilla. Mm, and I'm going to get it on a cone. I messed up a little bit when I asked for a cone. Instead of saying cono, I said cona. So I know I flubbed that. I asked her for a cone. And I asked for due paline, two scoops, you know, one of each. And she's, you know, serving it and she hands it to me. And then I reach into my pocket for my money. And the five euros, she tells me it's like three euros and something. The other place where I bought 
you know, where I normally buy gelato, it's only like $2 or two euros and something. But this one is a little bit more expensive, a little fancier. And so there's, you know, their two scoops are like three euros and I don't know, 50 cents or something, 50 centesimi. So I'm reaching into my pocket and I cannot seem to locate my five euro note anywhere. Like, Apparently, while I was walking in the same pocket where I had my phone, I must have pulled my phone out of my pocket and with it pulled that five euro note and left it on the ground somewhere. And so I'm I'm in, you know, I'm I'm starting to, to panic now. And here she's already served my cone of ice cream. And I know I've got three euros, but I don't have enough for the cents, you know, the extra three euros plus. I don't have the extra coins with me. And I'm starting to panic. And then she realizes, oh, he's an American. And she starts speaking to me in English. And then I switch to English. And I start panicking because I'm speaking to her in English. And I had already been speaking to her in Italian. And I'm searching all over the ground for my for my five euros. And I'm like, I just had it with me. I don't know what happened. Like, And I'm going crazy. And she's like, that's okay. Don't worry about it next time. And you come back next time. It's okay. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I just had it with me. I don't know what's going on here. She's like, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I gave her the three euros. I'm like, thank you. I'm so sorry. And I left. And I just felt so stupid. I still enjoyed my gelato, by the way. It was delicious. But I sort of, I was stressed. So I start power eating my gelato. I'm just like, you know, I'm like eating a, like my gelato, like a true American, just like inhaling it. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I just have to go get my money. So I retraced my steps. I couldn't find my five euros that I had dropped. So someone else had already found it. I come back to my building. I run up the stairs. I come in to, you know, grab some more money out of my wallet. And then I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to walk back there. I'm going to drive. So I jump in the car. I drive back over there and the shades are down and she's closed. I walked up to the door and I can see that there's a mop bucket and she's cleaning the floors. And I'm like, oh, geez. Because I was going to just give her five euros. Just going to give her the whole thing and just say thank you so much for letting me have that ice cream without paying you the full price. So I go back and I sit in my car. It's still kind of raining a little bit. And I just sat there and I'm like, I'm just going to wait until she comes out. So I did. So she comes out and you know, here in Italy, they have these big, huge sort of fiberglass plasticky things that are just like shaped like a giant cone of gelato. They're, they're so, they're, they're beautiful and colorful and they, they catch your attention and Kids, you know, of course, they see those and they start begging their parents for a gelato. Anyway, so she comes out to to roll that big sort of gelato cone sculpture and pull it inside for the night. And then I jump out of my car and I run over and I'm like, Senora. And I'm like, here, this is for you. And, And she's like, no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. And I'm like, no, no, please, you have to take it. You have to take it. I'm like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Grazie, grazie. And and anyway, she finds, so she smiled and she's like, oh my gosh, she's probably thinking this crazy American. Anyway, she takes the money. I felt better. That's probably the most expensive gelato I've ever had in my life. I think it ended up with the five euros that I lost, the extra five euros that I gave her and the three euros. I think it was like a 13 euro gelato cone but that's okay it was worth it (laughs) so of course i recorded the entire 
thing. I recorded the first interaction of not having the money with me, of starting off thinking everything was great, then having my meltdown because I didn't have the money, and then I recorded this, the, the whole thing of me going back to give her the extra $5. So you get to hear the whole fiasco unfolding right there in front of you. So enjoy the sound of me with my 13 euro gelato cone and I'll be back afterwards to say goodbye. Prego, no, prego. Sì. Ciao. Allora, eh, io prendo due coppette di cotolina. Sì, la cotolina. Sì. E il cioccolato di Scusi, scusi. Niente. Nel caso può pagare anche con banco, ma mi dispiace per il portafoglio. No, 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 io ho un 5 euro, però... Forse sono... Ok. 
Allora, tre. Sì. Qui, tre, però. Ah. Non importa. No, Next time. Sì. No, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I literally brought my money with me. Don't worry, I'm sorry for you. I must have pulled them out my phone uh, on my walk. Maybe. Uh, and it fell out, maybe. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry for you. Maybe it fell in here. Don't worry. Okay. No problem. Okay. Um, come si dice? Came I'll again. come back. Ritorno, no. vero? Sì, sì, ritorno. Ok, ok. Grazie mille, grazie. Grazie, 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 ciao. Grazie, buona serata. Buona serata. <laughs> oh man, one of these days it would be so nice to not be such a disaster, except for I just don't know if that day is ever, ever going to come. But at least... It's something I get to share with you. Anytime something ridiculous happens to me now, I just think to myself, well, at least I get to share this on the podcast. And so I just know that there's some value in it because I get to share it with you. So thank you. I really appreciate you being here every week. And I love sharing the adventures in Italy with you and what it's like to move here. Almost 70% of our listeners are on Apple podcast and we have a five star rating on apple we have more than a hundred reviews which is very hard to get reviews on podcasts and the only reason we have over a hundred reviews and we still and we have five stars on apple is because of you taking the time to put those five stars it only takes a few seconds you don't have to write anything you can write a review too if you want i would love that and many of you have written the most beautiful reviews and if you're listening on Spotify or any other podcasting platform. I'm so glad that you're here too. It's not just the Apple listeners. Everybody, I'm so grateful for you. If you're able to leave five stars on the platform you're listening from, that's equally appreciated. So thank you so much. Well, my friend, 
Wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today, I hope you are healthy and well, and I look forward to being here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care, God bless, ciao, ciao, ciao.